You get comfortable in here, don't you? And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I need you to come in here real quick. I got called into a meeting. Hey, get back into that studio and do your job pro- producing the show here. All right, let me get let me get caught up on a on a few things just here real quick off the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Hour 2 is always brought to you by Allison Insurance. And we love your calls at 405 329 on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Though, we'll get to Coming up here in just a bit, 405-329-9000. Dylan writes, the SEC needs to get Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and Notre Dame, but Notre Dame seems like a much better fit in the Big Ten than the SEC. I agree. I think Notre Dame is – I don't think Notre Dame's going anywhere, peeps. I really don't. I think that – you know, even Kevin Warren said it yesterday. They have Notre Dame and – what they say? Hockey in the Big Ten. Notre Dame's got an agreement in the ACC – with basketball and and a majority of its of its sports, I just if they're getting seventy five mil or if that's what they're targeting and and they get anywhere, I think they're gonna continue to stay independent in football. I just I I know we all we all know we all look at it and say oh they've got to be in a conference we they got to be in a conference but they they don't and they've proven it. And if NBC or, hey, who's to say that CBS, you know, there is this idea that Notre Dame is NBC or bust. And with Peacock and Peacock Plus, it makes a lot of sense. And they've had that longstanding relationship with NBC, so naturally you think, I mean, early 90s, right, when they inked their deal with NBC, is that right? It's been a minute. I was just trying to Google it up while you were uh, mentioning it, but it's... I mean, it expires in 2025, and uh, they're making 22 mil from a year, uh, 22 mil a year from the network. The long-term deal averaged 15 mil per season. But let's see, Notre Dame football on NBC started in '93. Oh, you beat me to it. Is that right? Uh, '91. Okay, a little bit before that. <laughs> I, I knew it was early 90s. September 7th, 1991. So that's a pretty long-standing relationship. 31 years. But in that same vein, you know, CBS lost the SEC because they didn't go back to the negotiating table. If CBS, whenever the SEC realized, we're worth a little bit more than this, the SEC on CBS might still be a thing. But CBS got a little stubborn. Maybe they learned from that and say, all right, we still want to be a major player in this game. Let's and we've got Paramount Plus where we can, you know, put a myriad of of, of games. Let's go get Notre Dame. So I, I think the Notre Dame conversations right now are just pure speculation. I don't think they're going anywhere. And you can, if you're CBS, you can pay less annually and have Notre Dame. Um, than you would for, obviously, the entirety of the SEC. Chad Okraseed writes, maybe the ACC, or uh, the Big Ten, looks at it and says, we're not mentioning North Carolina or Virginia because we pretty much know where their future is. But Chad writes, if the SEC expands further, North Carolina and Virginia will be the first two pick. They want, they want, bell cow programs they want programs that are the program in the state um and there you go you have it in virginia and in north carolina when it comes to football i definitely get it with north carolina no doubt virginia i'm just not getting it with virginia 
I know they've won a men's basketball national championship recently. We'll see. I mean, that's intriguing football hire that they've made. But, I mean, to me, and and maybe I'm guilty of thinking about Michael Vick and Beamer Ball and everything, but to me, I mean, Virginia Tech's the more attractive of those two. I get that they want the quote-unquote flagship university of the state, but I don't think of Virginia – when I think of football in the state of Virginia, I think of Virginia Tech. I agree. I agree. Um, and then one more here real quick from the 832 that I thought was a good point. The only issue with Notre Dame is scheduling. As conferences combine, there's going to be less and less room for outside games. Fair. But if – let's just let, – let's play this quick hypothetical game. If – you continue with NBC if you can always have a flanker pro conference that'll be there. Remember we talked about the big 12 and if there's ever any problems, you can fill your schedule with games from there. And I'm telling you right now, my, my opinion, you might, you're absolutely hundred percent right. Scheduling could be an issue, but I don't think a conference is going to ice out Notre Dame. I just don't. I don't think you're going to see the Big Ten say to USC, you're not going to play Notre Dame. I don't think the Pac-12 is going to say to Stanford, you're not going to play Notre Dame. I don't think that the, gosh, whomever, the ACC is going to tell any of their teams don't play Notre Dame because they still feel like they're the place that is best positioned for Notre Dame to end up whenever all the uh, all the chips fall. It's, it's a fair point. What do you do on the scheduling side of things? Where where do you where does that shake out? Because, I mean, we learned during COVID they had to get in a conference, and but it took a pandemic for them to actually do it. Trying to play through to a force pandemic, their hand, right? They, they they had no other choice because everyone wanted to be in a. Hey, we're all following these same protocols and doing this, that, and that. I mean, we what Oklahoma played one non-conference game that year. Is that right, Missouri State? And the rest was so. I again, I don't. There's, I did not realize, Josh, I did not realize how mad some people are about Notre Dame still being independent. I mean, you guys, I mean, independence was kind of the way of the game through a majority of the early 90s. I mean, I, I don't have a big problem with it, and yet some people are, make them get in a conference. This is unfair. Who do they think they are? They think they are. I'm definitely – of that mindset, it irritates me with Notre Dame. And then there is the over-the-top best take of it all when you try to talk about Notre Dame from the 405. If the playoff expands, why would Notre Dame need to join a conference for football anyway? They do well and they'll get in. Ding, ding, ding. And if we're talking about 16? They don't even have to do that well and they'll get in. Yeah. I mean, you know, to me, the two big things that have come out of media days, and if you want to go back to the Big 12, I wrote about Brett Yormark at um, BuzzTulsa.com and 947theref.com on our on our blog page. It, I, I felt like Yormark kind of saying the Big 12 is open for business was interesting. I'm sure we'll learn more about the Pac-12. But my two big takeaways from media days so far has been as much as I don't think further conference expansion is imminent, both power commissioners and Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey made it seem like, yeah, they are. And then the second is I've been setting this mindset of 12, 12, maybe eight in conference or playoff expansion and playoff, you know, 
the playoff growing. I'm they led us to believe that 12 was the magic number. 16's the number apparently now, <laughs> which is, I mean, the only reason the only reason Notre Dame would have to join a conference in their mind might be money because they're going to get in. They're always going to – I've said this a thousand times. No one wants to believe me. There's a seat at the table if they go to 16 for everybody. Everybody. Unless the Big Ten and SEC keep expanding and Notre Dame's not a part of that and they get to the point to where they – match their two respective conference champions up against each other. But it doesn't feel like right now today well, that even if is they, imminent. Well, even if they go to 16, would you just say then it would be, all right, only teams from the Big Ten and the SEC are getting in? <laughs> to say, I mean, if you're going to 16 and everyone seems to be in agreement in this, unless you're just wanting to get rid of the Pac-10 or get rid of the, the ACC, I mean, I, I don't know, dude. I think – I think there's still a spot, obviously, for the Big 12. I think there's still a spot for the the Pac-12 or 10 or whatever we are now. If things stay the way that it is and the college football playoff expands to 8, to 12, to 16, whatever that number is, then yes, Notre Dame can feel very comfortable. I'm just saying that if we get even a little bit further down the road or if this happens more quickly than we think and it happens before we get that college football playoff expansion to where all of a sudden there's 20 in the Big 10, 20 in the SEC – they might just look up and say, yeah, you know what? That whole college football playoff expansion idea, let's scrap that. We're done with that. We're going to have uh, our conference championship, and we're just going to play the SEC for our respective national championship. And under that scenario, Notre Dame, maybe their hand gets forced a little bit. Then what do you do with the Pac-12 and the Big 12? Are they just off on their own thing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. I think that's unhealthy. I think that's bad for college football to get to that point. I think we want, right? I don't even know that we necessarily want or need expansion, but if we do, it safely gets every conference into the mix and we go forward and, sure, certain conferences, they're just flat out not going to get paid. What members in the Big Ten and the SEC, the haves get, the have-nots will not get paid that, but you know what? They'll still have a path in. Mm. 405-329-9000. That's the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Okay, yesterday I jumped on one of my favorite radio stations, the Tide. And I think they actually call it the game. Anyway, Tide 100.9, the show is the game. And Ryan Fowler, they had me on because they were hot, Josh, about the ranking of the Blue Bloods list that Christopher Russo had last week. And I think we were too. And my my big debate, my my big question or point that I always bring up whenever people are talking about greatest programs in the history of college football is that recency does matter. You you can't just say, yeah, well, we won a title in 35 and 36, so we're the greatest team in college football and one of the greatest. If that were the case, and we'd be talking about like the Harvards and teams like that. Here's something to consider, and I agree with what you're saying there. Just to your point, we talk about Nebraska's dominance in the 90s. Guys, gals, that was 30 years, 30 years ago, ago now. 30 years ago. You do a blue blood list? In 1995, greatest programs, Notre Dame might be – or excuse me, Nebraska might be in that top five. I think we spend more time 
on Notre Dame because of Rudy and the Four Horsemen than we do about what they've done as a program recently. Right? Yeah, since 88. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you're talking about the greatness of Notre Dame, you're you're dusting off your take a little bit. So they were pretty hot about Oklahoma, believe it or not, being at number four as, I think, or were they five? No, USC was five and Oklahoma was four or five. It's mad, dog, man. It's all over the place. I don't even remember. But, I mean, my point is, I I think Alabama's one. I think they're number one over Notre Dame. And I think Oklahoma and the Ohio State University have a good battle for number two. Yeah, I wouldn't have Notre Dame, too. I wouldn't either. And and I sure as hell wouldn't have Michigan all that high either. I mean, no. recency matters to me when we're talking about great. But no, you can't get too carried away and say, well, I'll put Clemson on there. It's like, well, no, you got to. Got to go back a little bit and have some meat before it. but it, So we, we got in that conversation. But he asked me a question as we were wrapping up, as we were going out the door, that I won't lie, I struggled with a little bit. Okay. And I want you to take the break to think about it. I'll, I'll simmer on it. Simmer on it. And I want you guys to help me out at 651-3439. He said, hey, before we let you go, what are the strengths and weaknesses of Oklahoma football this year? On the field, what's the strength, and off and and on the field, what's the weakness right now? And honestly, we have spent so much time, so much time, talking culture, foundation, facilities, conference, Dylan Gabriel, <laughs> dime retreats, nil. That I stopped for a moment. I was like, "Whoa, it's a really good question." And. I think I gave a good answer, but I want to present it to you next. And then I want your take, too. Because I don't think there's a slam dunk, oh, yeah, it's that. Nor do I think that there is an absolute wrong answer for it. No, 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 it's it's not that. It's so up in the air, it's crazy. And I want to get into it next. Love it. I mean, at least it gives us a segment. So, quick break, 10-17, on a Wednesday, the Plank Show is on the ref right here on the Home Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. I miss you being in here, I won't lie. I get comfortable with our with our between-break conversations, though I always worry that if the mic is on. It is stressful, isn't it? <laughs> so I feel a little better. Not that we say anything derogatory, but we might question the talent of a few people, mostly on TV. It's like, look at this guy. Yeah, they're – there are some things that probably I wouldn't like going out over the open air. I, I, I will say, though, time. I will say, though, I'm not a – oh, hey, how did that just start working? That monitor just started working here in the studio. Oh, it did? I, did you do something? I snapped my fingers. Magic trick. There Look you go. It's back, you. baby. Look at you. I will say um, one thing that is pretty obvious, Josh Helmer, is first take – as much as maybe you can't stand Stephen A. Smith, it is literally unwatchable without him. And I never – I hate saying that because usually I don't – Because I it's pretty much unwatchable with him. It's it's bad enough with him. Oh, and by the way, speaking of unwatchable, you know what I stayed up and watched last night? Baseball. I stayed up and watched the Dodgers and the Nationals. Congratulations. I, well, I don't get many Dodger games. We just don't. I know someone's like, they're all on time. No, they're not. Not for me. Not for me. But to me, I am. Uh, I was in, dude. I loved it. It was great. We got beat for some reason. The Dodgers can't beat 
the Nationals, the Rockies, and there's one other bad team that they just they can't beat. I think they're going to hold on and win their division, though. I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. Has anyone done a welfare check on our buddy James? Things are not looking good for the Red Sox right now. Though I, another thing I was yeah, all it's been in. a bad, bad July. Do you want to know? Also, confession time, real quick. You know what else I did last night, Josh? As I was, I was working a little bit on the home studio. I listened to JT the Brick on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Listening to Brick at night. What did he have to say? Where are my Mets fans tonight? They're not calling my show. You beat my Yankees. I'm a cranky Yankee. Where's my Mets fans? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like JT. There you go. <laughs> all right. So I asked you a question going into the break. I appreciate those of you in the Air Comfort Solutions text line who have already helped us out. Uh, to reset, if you missed it, hey, welcome. Welcome. I spend way too much time doing guest hits on other radio stations. It's not like a humble brag. It's just I like having guests on our show, and I feel like that if, if I do this, I'm going to be giving with my time. Now, it always angers my wife and my kids, but it's like, listen, it's the lifeblood of our show, so I'm going to help out other people. And we talked about the ranking of the Blue Bloods a little bit. But I was asked, hey, what's the strengths and weaknesses of OU this year? As you go into the season, what do you see as the strengths and weaknesses? And I, I said, that's a really good question because a majority of our conversations, I, and I, in talking season, strengths and weaknesses doth not matter because last year at this time, we were talking about Spencer Rattler, Heisman Trophy winner, um, you know, number, what, seven for Oklahoma, wherever we are number-wise, but third in the last five years, national champions. It's just that's where that's where we were, right? Oklahoma's the number one team in the country. I can't believe they're not number one. So strengths and weaknesses for your team, kind of irrelevant at this point in the year until you get into the season. But all of our conversations this offseason have been different. It's, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced because, well, we don't have – a lot of coaching changes at Oklahoma, number one. And number two, we don't have coaching changes where guys leave for other colleges ever. <laughs> we had the transition from from Coach Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley in 17. And outside of that, we're going back to 1999, the last time we had a coaching change. And it was, what, pre-Bud Wilkinson the last time that we had a coaching change from – uh, a, a guy that left for another school. So my, my point is, Josh, this has been different and unique because it's something we really haven't experienced, right? So a lot of our conversations, and with what Brent Venables did as soon as he came in, it became culture, culture, culture. It became soul mission. It became the foundation of this program. It became a holistic approach, and it's awesome. In 38 days, I got to update this, 38 days, 8 hours, and 32 minutes, it becomes – all right, what's going on on the field? And that's what the question was based in yesterday. So what are the strengths of this program or this team, this 2022 Sooner team? Here's what I said. I said there's strength in the familiarity of what Dylan Gabriel knows of Jeff Levy's offense. Agreed. That's a good one. Strength in that. There is, there is strength in the experience of, but also maybe a weakness in the depth of that experience at receiver, right? Because you have Marvin Mims and Drake Stoops, and that, those are some dudes. The weakness, though, is that's about it when we're talking about guys who come back that have caught passes. Now, 
Potential-wise, I mean, come on. Theo Wees, we think he's got he's got a chance to be really, really good, and at, at some point it's got to pan out. We um, make sure I don't miss any names here. We love the idea of what LV uh, Bunkley Shelton can do, the transfer. We like the idea of of what m- maybe the the Hester kid could do as a transfer. We love the makeup of a Jaden Gibson. Jarrell, Jalil Farouk caught our eye during the bowl game, right? Um, Trayvon West, I believe, is back this year, unless um, something happened there. Darby's done some things here and so, there. So, boom, boom, boom. I just, it seems like there's a strength there, but it's the weaknesses. We haven't really seen it. And then defensively, I, I said, I, the, the, the strength is in, you know, defensively, a new mindset is what I said because. I don't know if I can point to individuals and say that's a strength. I love the idea of Woody Washington and and that being a strength at the corners, but DJ Graham was a disappointment last year, and and Woody Washington got hurt. I love the idea of what these safeties are bringing in, but Josh, I don't I don't know. I, I can't sit here and tell you much about Trey Morrison, or I can't sit here and, and and tell you a ton about Billy Bowman's improvement. I can hear what they're being what's being said, and that fires me up. And I love Key Lawrence in this position, but I don't know. So I kind of struggled a little bit, but my strength was Brent Venables is running this defense. And that's a strength to me, period. Jalen Redmond's a strength. If he can stay healthy, the idea of what Danny Stutzman can bring, the experience of Deshaun White, you know, you, and then, of course, I mentioned Michael Turk. But it, when I was saying all this, it kind of made sense to me that you didn't see a Sooner on the first team All-Big 12 squad sure. because – it's it's kind of tough to parse through what's a strength and what's a weakness right now for this team. So what would what would be Josh Helmer's answer to that question? You want offense or defense first? Let's do offense first. Skill players and quarterback are the strengths for me for Oklahoma. Feel great about Marvin Mims. Feel really good about Theo Weiss. I'm not concerned about his rehabilitation from the injury. I'm Pretty convinced he's going to be a solid number two for Oklahoma. And then from there, I think you got a bunch of intriguing options. Jaleel Farouk, we saw what he could do in the Alamo Bowl. Is he ready to take that next step? You mentioned the additions via the transfer portal of both Hester and LV Bunkley-Shelton. Gibson, Anderson, there's some intriguing youngsters they signed there. Braden Willis, I think, is has just been waiting mm-hmm. for his opportunity to be the primary pass-catching tight end target for OU. And we'll see about the two signees they have there. I mean, I know you got Daniel Parker Jr. there as well, but what about uh, what about Llewellyn? What about Caden Helms? Are they ready to make an impact straight away? Maybe. So I think that's intriguing. Skill position, I think, is a definite strength for Oklahoma, as is quarterback play. You mentioned the familiarity with Jeff Levy. Beyond that, you got somebody that's thrown 8,000 passing yards and 70 passing touchdowns at the collegiate level in Dylan Gabriel. He is a proven winner. He's proven with his production. That's a strength for Oklahoma. Weaknesses offensively, I'm still very much up in the air about how this offensive line is going to come together. We know that 2021 was not a vintage Bill Biedenboe, Joe Moore award-winning type of offensive line. And, oh, by the way – they lost a couple of guys to the National Football League and, you know, starters Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson. I'm thrilled with the idea of what Anton Harrison or Wanye Morris can become, but 
I, I need to see that for both. Savion Bird, okay, is he going to slot in for Oklahoma? I think that's intriguing uh, along the offensive line. I love the addition of McCade Mattire from Cal and all of the experience that he brings over. I like the experience that you already have with Chris Murray, like Rame, right? But I just collectively, I'm not over the moon convinced that that's going to be this this great offensive line yet. I think it's got the makings of the potential of that. But to me right now going in, you have to kind of look at that and say, all right, well, I can see where somebody could make the argument for that being Oklahoma's weakness. The other weakness for me offensively, it's running back. It's running back. Ooh. I'm less convinced. I think a lot of people would push back on that, but go ahead. I'm I'm less comfortable today going into 2022 than I was last year going into 2021. Remember, there was so much discussion about Kennedy Brooks. Oh, my goodness. How's he going to come back from this COVID opt-out year? And it was, hang on a second, guys. This is a two-time 1,000-yard rusher in Kennedy Brooks. I don't see that with Oklahoma right here, right now. Maybe Eric Gray makes me look like a fool here in a matter of a short number of weeks from now. Maybe Marcus Major makes me look like a fool. Maybe our transfer in from UCF makes me look like a fool. I'm just a little, little more skeptical of what you have that's proven in terms of the running backs to start. I love the potential of Javante Barnes, of a Gavin Sawchuk, but I kind of feel like one of those two guys is going to have to be a contributor for Oklahoma in 2022. So, to me, that then you have to say is a little bit of a question mark going in. I two things. I think a lot of the running back stuff is very speculative. You know, you're you're counting on Eric Gray taking a jump. You're putting your faith in Demarco Murray. You're right, and there's a lot of hype around Javante Barnes. I'm surprised. I actually now have higher hopes for Marcus Major because I haven't heard much about him. Usually, usually we spend so much time talking about Marcus Major and nothing ever happens. Like Marcus Major ready for a breakout year. I think we're 0 for 3 so far. But I will say the offensive line conversation is so fascinating with this team. I mean, what happens? I wrote in the Boyd Street preview. I think it's out. Is it out now? Is the football preview out? I wrote about Wanya Morris, and I picked a player from each position to write about. And I wrote about Wanya Morris, and everything about his approach is amazing. I mean, but we're in the same spot in 22 as we were in 21, where Wanya Morris is projected to be the starting right tackle for Oklahoma. Yep. And he played like six plays last year. He was – preseason first team all big 12 yeah all yeah. big 12 I, that's crazy to think about that but i did i did say in the conversation with the the crew at in in tuscaloosa that i still look at the offensive line as a strength because and and i know some don't because i think i think schmitty's strength program has been good you know is ted still here maybe i need to go ask ted during the break but anton harrison has responded. Andrew Rame has responded. Chris Murray has responded. The depth that you brought up with Savion Bird is exciting. This Tyler Guyton kid, the kid from TCU. I keep forgetting about him. Yeah, that could be a big time addition for them as well. Even though he looks like a tight end playing offensive line. Which I don't think is the worst thing <laughs> at all. So I've I've kind of gone back and forth on that one, Josh. That's tough for me because again, from an experience perspective, it's not it's not a strength, right? 
But from a potential perspective, it's kind of like wide receiver. You're like, oh, okay, there's some dudes there. Well, and no duh, no brainer statement here. Look, how the offensive line goes is going to go a long ways to determining whether or not any concerns that I may or may not have with the running backs, whether there's reason for that to be, whether there's reason to feel that way, right? If the offensive line is really good, then all of a sudden, okay then running backs, you, you got some some creases out there. You got some holes to run through. Yeah, yeah, you do. All right, hey, let's do it. Let's get defense when we come back, right? Because we got our top five stories today. We got a guest at 11.35 today. and Mark Jeffries, new uh, head bowling coach, founding a bowling program that. at Southern Nazarene University. We can get into what it takes to build a program from a bowling perspective. This is new. I don't – and is this a little way for you to try to get ready for the uh, the annual bowling competition that we're going to oh, have? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Which took a year hiatus. But I might have back. to go get professional Division One lessons in private and not let everybody know about that. Come in and, I don't know, bowl a 74. <laughs> so we'll take a timeout. When we come back, the defensive side, and you guys are all over it on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I love it. Uh, we'll dive into some strengths and weaknesses for Sooner football next. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Our show never stops on Twitter, at Josh on Ref at Plank Show. And the Air Comfort Solutions text line is always a good way. Always popping, baby. Um, Barnes will prove you wrong. I hope you're right. That was, a, that was the first Air Comfort, Air Comfort Solutions text I saw. Listen. You can say that, and you can feel that, and I can believe that, and I want to believe that. But when we see it, all right, then we'll know. Yeah, and look, I got to pick a weakness somewhere because <laughs> the question was pick strengths and weaknesses. And right. Going in for me, offensive line running back would be what I'm more concerned about offensively versus you know skill talent. There's some people that are worried about the depth there. I'm not. I'm not – we have a depth conversation every year about the running back position, and it's either one of two ways. It's either there's not enough or there's too many. What are we going to do when a guy transfers? It's it's kind of six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. But I'm just – I guess my thought process with Oklahoma's running backs is do they have a star runner to start? I think they might by season's end. Right. But do they have that – Kennedy Brooks, do they have that Ramondre Stevenson? I mean, who's that guy in the backfield? Do they have them? I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right, so do you want to get defense real quick? Let's do defense. Okay, go ahead. Because I said on defense that the idea of Danny Stutzman is a strength, uh, fresh blood in the secondary, I mean, a strength. But, but more specifically, position – that's a word I, I used. I, I used a fancy word, in fact, after I Positional said Positional flexibility? No, no, because no, it wasn't flexibility. It was – um, solidarity, I think, was a term I used. I used something because positional awareness. Because Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman aren't going to be moved all over the place, right? It's not all of a sudden, all right, Billy, go play corner. Gotcha. All right, yes. Key, go play corner this year. We need you to do it. These guys know what they are. And it's not going to be in the middle of the season. It's like, try him here. Well, he didn't do well. All right, sit his ass on the bench so he can't play. You know, it's just we can't trust him out there. This is good for him. This isn't what – and it's just – you're like, wait, hold on. This guy was in – you know, you, I, I've gone back a lot thinking about the Texas game, thinking about OU Texas. And on one of the biggest plays in the game, 
You had three freshmen on the field, true freshmen. One of them isn't here anymore, but two of them are. And then all of a sudden, and you know, it didn't go so well against Texas. But then all of a sudden, it becomes, yeah, these guys can't be on the field. It's like what? So knowing what their position is, gosh, I got to go back and listen to that interview because when I said the term, I was like, wow, that's fancy, dude. You sound like you knew what you were talking about. Shocked myself. But them knowing their role, I guess, was kind of what role awareness. I think is what I what I said. But from an individual, I think, what, you, you focus more on some of the guys in the interior? Yeah, when I look at this defense and I'm thinking about strengths and weaknesses, start here with the strengths. I think they got a, a bona fide star in Jalen Redmond, though he wasn't recognized in that former fashion with the all-Big 12 team first-team recognition in the preseason. I think he's got a great chance to wind up as that type of player. So star power up front. With Jalen Redmond, I've told you in the past, I'll be curious how he handles being the bell cow and getting the lion's share of the attention from opposing offensive lines, right? I mean, they're schemed up to stop Jalen Redmond now. That being said, I think he's going to handle that with flying colors. I think he's going to be great. I think he's Oklahoma's best defensive player, at least going in. So you've got a star defensively. That's a strength for Oklahoma. Even though OU's replacing some serious pass rushing production, I think they're still going to be really good rushing the passer. When I think about Jalen Redmond combined with Marcus Stripling, combined with the emergence of either a Reggie Grimes or an Ethan Downs, I don't think Oklahoma's going to be lacking for the ability to get to the quarterback. And, oh, by the way, they've got some options that they can tinker with, Plank, to not necessarily have it be one of those guys that rushes the passer. Do they think about David Aguebu at times being somebody that could rush the passer? I think OU's going to be good rushing the passer. That will be a strength for Oklahoma. Weaknesses? Go ahead. I think you have to say the secondary still, right? I, I, you know, and I say that. It's a, a job interview here. Well, my weaknesses could really be my strength. <laughs> because I, I think that OU's got a chance by season's end to where we say, man, that, that secondary is actually the best part of this defense. But going in based on the way last year played out, I can't objectively, I don't think, sit here and tell you that the defensive backfield is Oklahoma's strength. I love some of the pieces there. Key Lawrence, I think, again, he might be – the highest drafted player off this defense for Oklahoma, but just based simply off the fact that they were 109th nationally last year in pass defense. And, oh, by the way, I've not seen Kenai Walker. I've not seen Trey Morrison. I've not seen C.J. Colden at Oklahoma. D.J. Graham, Woody Washington. Woody were, you know, hoping to see him get healthy. And it was spotty at times for, you know, both D.J. and Woody Washington last year. Got to say that that's kind of the weakness going in, at least on paper. By the way, there's a, some really good Twitter re or text reaction to this. Um, so your call. I see Trues on hold. I see the Air Comfort Solutions text line blowing up. I see we're due a break. As the co-host and boss of this year's show, Josh, which way would you like to go? Well, I, I say we get – True, the full run next. Okay. Maybe one text and then a T.O.? There you go. Well, I can get you two here real quick. Text. There you go. D-line's a concern for me from the 405. That's fair. 
especially the what you graduated. I have excitement about the D-line because I'm assuming an improvement from Ethan Grimes from his freshman year. I think Marcus Stripling showed out in the in the, in the the Alamo Bowl. I love everything I've heard about Jeffrey Johnson. I uh, love everything I've heard about Jordan Kelly and Jonah Laula uh, has really been impressive so far. So I agree with you. I think that's fair. And then one more. I think the secondary is going to be better this year, kind of what you were saying, Josh. Anyway, because they have a legitimate secondary coach, not a guy who coached linebackers who's just doing secondary and then recruits for two different schools. Shots fired across the bow at Roy Manning. Boy, my man Roy Manning catching some strays today. Hey, I don't blame that's not that's that's if you want to get mad at a secondary coach, that's on a coach coach. That's on a head coach. He's putting it in a horrible situation. And that's Lincoln's fault. Yeah, no, it is. It, but it is. he's got to be smart enough. I don't know how he ended up skating on that, but kudos to however they greased through without any issues on that front for You Roy know who Manning. else deserves plenty of criticism is Alex Grinch, who, oh, yeah. by the way, is supposed to be this defensive back guru. Right. Um, anyway, we'll grab a break. That's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That was the big knock. I mean, if you listen to Kerry and, and you listen to – Obviously, uh, Parker and Travis, when they talk about it, that was their big challenge is in recruiting. They were being recruited against that. Hey, you're you're having a you're going to go play for a linebacker at the corner position. I mean, that's, that's pretty good negative recruitment. That's pretty smart. All right, quick break. We'll wrap it up next with True on the Plank Show. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Right here on the ref. The, the one thing that I do miss about Josh being in the studio is how you jam to every rejoin song. That's what I do miss. So it's not it's not just Connor kind of chilling. It's it's a jam session. And oh yeah. It. No, I get I get jacked, baby, if you play the right tune. True Sooner gets the final word of hour number two. What's going on, True? How are you? I was getting re- I was getting ready to say if you play the right tune, but dang you haven't been playing the right tune. Yeah, That's true. Listen. True called in on Monday, Plank, when you were out. Right. And trashed us for playing Crazy Train. He said, it's it's done. It's overplayed. He's Oof. sick of it. Wow. That's, that's time. To, I mean, you, you know, you got new coaches. You got new quarterbacks. It's time to move on down. That was, you know, that's, it's time to get fresh. Huh. You're right. It's time for Go. Seven Nation Army. <laughs> yeah, I want something fresh. <laughs> so, so I, I think, just listen to your question, and, and, and this, you guys are trying to dance around it a little bit, but I, I think the weaknesses – are kind of potentially the strengths. Like, it is a weakness that Venables has never coached a game before. I mean, that's just facts. But the ceiling for him, you know, and, and, and the fact that he's been a, an assistant for 150 years, you know, that he's the most he's the most ready, uh, experienced, um, you know, assistant coach out there. So that could be a weakness at first, just to get the speed under him, but then it could turn out to be, which I think it will, you know, an extreme high, you know, and it's the same thing with, with Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he's never played in this off. I mean, he's, yeah, he's played with Levy. I get it. But I mean, he still hadn't played at Oklahoma before. And it's a little, it's a little bit of a, of a uh, uptick in talent, right? Who he's going to be playing every week. Right. Um, so, so that's a concern a little bit, but then you also think, yeah, but he also thrown for, you know, 9,000 yards. So, I mean, I mean, he could potentially be the strength, you know, Offensive line is is a strength, you know. We, but, but but I just think I think offensive line is definitely a concern, you know. And I'm with I'm with you know uh, with Josh about the uh, running backs. I don't know, uh, but but I think that the I, I think the weaknesses on on the inexperience of everything, um, you know. We 
we thought, and I'm not comparing Venables to John Blake, so don't everybody freak out, but we thought he was going to be a great coach. Well, I mean, uh, he didn't have the, he didn't every have coach the, that's hired, you think, is going to be a head co- a great right, head coach. Right. right. And, but, but we, but he has a lot more experience than all that kind of stuff and comes from a pedigree, you know, the stuff that he's done at, at Clemson and, and in the past at OU. So, I mean, I mean, that's the biggest concern for me is just the unknown, the unknown of what, how these guys are going to mesh together. I think that's a fair. Thanks for the phone call, True. Thanks, we'll fair. And again, they, in everything that Oklahoma does, there's a, a, a lot of Clemson, there's a touch of uh, Alabama, there's a touch of Georgia, there's a touch of, you know, Bob Stoops. I mean, they, this isn't – it's going to be new for Brent Venables to be the the ultimate decision maker, but, again, it's not going to be shocking, I think, in any – and, I mean, I think there's – I think there's a dude on the staff that is a very – critical piece that never gets talked about it's matt wells i like it yeah 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 they've got some good voices as analysts yes. helping out i mean ted roof you might say well ted roof's been a head coach yeah but ted, ted roof's a defensive coordinator he's got some things to take care of matt wells is here as as an analyst so some of these things that you know, some might say, well, he's never experienced it. Well, guess what? He's going to have – and I don't know what Matt Wells' game day responsibilities are going to be yet. I haven't had a chance to really talk to him about it. But you've got a a guy who's familiar with that decision-making process that did it for, you know, years and years at Utah State and at Texas Tech. I think it's key. Top five stories today from Newcastle Casino next.